I'm Audrey Hollenberg Duffy. And I'm her husband, Tim Hollenberg Duffy. We are a married couple doing pastoral ministry together under the faith umbrella of Anabaptism and Radical Pietism, more specifically in the Church of the Brethren, and most importantly, for Jesus. We've always enjoyed chats about faith life because we found in each other a companion that gets us, even when it doesn't feel like we fit in the boxes of American life or mainstream American Christianity. We believe the Church is crucial to faith and practice, and yet also accept that religious institutions are crumbling. We believe being disciples of Jesus Jesus rarely fits a pre-made container. So join us for our meanderings as we try to find a faithful Jesus way forward. Welcome to Coffee with the Pastors, the podcast. We uh, finished our series on the Doctor of Ministry work, and so now we are aimless. Aimless and wandering through the wilderness. Yes, no, we've got just a, you know, a fun reflection that we're going to talk about today to think back on a season during the summer of of things that we did at church. Yeah, um, we'll probably take a time here in the not too distant future to move back into a regular rhythm, a series of themes, but uh, at least for this week we'll pause on on something a little different. Yep. Yeah. So, but so, before we do that, Tim, where have you seen God recently? Well, we just got back from a a nice trip uh, to visit with my family and visit with a new life in our family, which is just really special. And God has been so present, not only in that little one coming into being, but uh, being with those parents along for the journey. And it's just really special to see the tracking of God through that whole process of new life coming about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So That's how about you, Audrey? Where have you seen God recently? Well, I'm going to be a little basic for a moment. <laughs> basic. Yeah. Can I say that I saw God as I sipped my pumpkin spice latte? Oh! <laughs> We're recording this on August 24th, which uh, you might think Starbucks is our sponsor for this podcast. <laughs> it is not. But Audrey does really like pumpkin spice lattes, and they came out today. They came out today. And so we did We did the thing and went and got them on the first day. Um, but so for real, this summer has been really hard. <laughs> and uh, it's also like each year, I feel like I'm getting less and less tolerant of heat. And so I just did not enjoy summer one bit. <laughs> And the pumpkin spice latte is like that, the changing of the season, the changing of the guard is symbolic with the coming out of the pumpkin spice latte. And so I am glad for a change of pace and a change of heat. Um, and so the pumpkin spice latte is that indicator. It's like the autumn bird that shows up to let you know. That the season is changing. God changes the seasons. That's right. Yes. And I'm glad to live. I'm glad to live in a world where there are autumns. So when we're like retirement age, we won't be thinking about moving to Florida. We're going north. No, oh, I don't want it any colder either. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I think I'm a mid-Atlantic person. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Forevermore. Forevermore. Let it be written. Let it be done. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Yeah. What are we talking about today, Audrey? We've been doing something a little differently at Oakton this summer and thought it would be good to reflect back on that 
process at Oakton where our summer rhythm is is more quiet with people in and out doing traveling and we never know on a given Sunday how many people are going to be here and so we tried to capitalize on that a little bit this summer by having a quieter theme for a season and so we engaged a particular practice of contemplative worship over the summer uh, and we chose to do that through Lectio Divina mm-hmm. and it was six weeks mm-hmm. where we had particular prayers from scripture that we used as a entry point into our own prayer practices. And so at the beginning of worship, we would have a sermon that wasn't a sermon mm-hmm. that would kind of put that prayer that we were going to focus on later in worship in context, mm-hmm. whether that be talking about the narrative that was around it or if the prayer wasn't as a part of a narrative, talking a little bit about like the themes of that particular book of the Bible that would give us a little bit of, of foundation for when we engaged it. But the purpose of it was to hear a word from God that could speak to us today through those words. So it wasn't the purpose of it wasn't like a biblical study of that particular text, but what Lectio Divina is, is recognition that God can still speak through scripture. So Lectio Divina means divine reading. Mm -hmm. So after that, not a sermon, that little teaching moment about the prayer, we would engage the Lectio Divina process, which for those of you who aren't familiar with that, it's a repetitive reading of the scripture. So we'd read the scripture once and allow for a time of silence for people to uh, pay attention particular word or phrase that may have arisen out of the first reading of the text. We'd read it again, and that time they would pay special attention and reflect on those words or phrases that were sticking out to them. What might God be saying to you through them? And then we'd read it one more time and ask you to consider what might God be calling you to do with uh, that word or phrase, or through that word or phrase, what might God be calling you to do? Change something in, in your life, a behavior, or uh, take some very specific concrete action. Say a word of gratitude to somebody. Uh, discern a calling. I mean, who knows, right? But when you pause with this kind of guided process utilizing Scripture, the idea is that we don't need to turn to Scripture always to figure out what particular lesson that thing is teaching us. Mm-hmm. As you're saying, Lectio Divina isn't about digging in in Bible study fashion to what these Greek words are doing and what the exact meaning of the original author was. In this moment, we're using the scriptures, in this case the prayers from scripture, as a launching point to contemplate on the things of God and what God might be doing through us and in us right now. It was interesting, an early reflection from our folks was that they were getting lost in things that they didn't understand or yeah. you know there was there was kind of this like almost like meta experience where it was like but why am i not focusing on these words why am i focusing on these words and i'm not getting this and so people would get lost and we had to say like the point of this is not to focus on what is not speaking to you right the point of this is to focus on what is speaking to you right. and to to shed those things that are not rising to the surface in that moment 
that can be a really hard thing, especially when we're so used to almost like a word by word Bible study where we're like, okay, what does this word mean? What does this word mean? That's not the purpose of right. Lectio Divina. Wait on that word that comes to you mm -hmm. and then just sit with it, right? Mm -hmm. Just sit with it. That's hard. I mean, I don't know. Probably for much of the country, that's a hard process. Here in Northern Virginia, where life is so fast paced, I think we both anticipated people struggling with this a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's like, take your haste and just pause. Yeah. We're going to sit in silence three times mm -hmm. and we're going to give you instructions on what kind of to do. I'm not mm -hmm. going to leave you, leave you hanging in contemplation, but it, it definitely illuminated, I think, for people that have a hard time settling down. Mm -hmm. uh, and others, I think, were more inclined to do this. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious if you had a similar experience to me in that you were not sure how long to leave the pause between oh, yeah. scripture readings. <laughs> oh yeah, well when you're like, when you're the worship leader in this setting, which Audrey and I were on rotating weeks, you don't get to have the privilege of letting yourself fully enter the space because you're a facilitator of the space for mm -hmm. everybody else. Right. So yeah, it's hard. It's hard to know when the moment comes to move on because I don't, I'm not fully in it, right? right. Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of a guess. I probably should have just set a clock. I'm going to give you 60 seconds, mm -hmm. 120 seconds, 180 <laughs> seconds, right? right? Or something I, like that. I, what I tried to do was pay particular attention to the noise I was hearing. People would stop shuffling is when I would jump into the next thing, in part because we invited them to you know, jot down some notes if that was helpful for them to kind of have an embodied way of thinking mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And so when they stopped moving, I was like, okay, they've kind of settled it in for this one and I can move to the next yeah. one. Yeah. But yeah, there were other times where I was just like, I feel like I've been sitting here for five minutes. I'm sure it was only, you know, 60 seconds if that. But right, <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, we, we just, we can't. I mean, we were so programmed to move from one thing to the next, and worship is no different. Right. Right? I mean, I don't know worship planners who intentionally try to make sure there is no seam as you move from one thing in worship to the next, right? right. And that's truly often what I prefer, so right. that you don't have that dead space where people are wondering, what am I supposed to do here? Right. Right? I, I think there's a difference between intentional Definitely. silence and unintentional silence and, right and that's you know from maybe our control freak side <laughs> if we're gonna be honest unintentional silence just makes me nervous it makes me anxious because i i don't know like okay who's in control here right well it breaks the flow of worship and right. breaks my sense of uh movement through what i'm supposed to be thinking about if all of a sudden do i need to jump in here or does somebody not have something planned or what's going on right maybe others don't have that issue but <laughs> it, it it's i hope for oakton it was an opportunity to let ourselves be a little more comfortable in quieting our hearts right and i think it was i mean i think there was growth over the over the period of of weeks one of the interesting observations that that i would make is this is clearly a practice that our culture is craving mm -hmm. right sure because even in the secular community, you have people pursuing more contemplative practices, mm -hmm. right? I mean, what is yoga? What is Tai Chi? Mm -hmm. uh, when Christians engage it, they're not engaging it as religious people. Certainly. Well, well sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. 
but oftentimes they they are not. They're engaging it as a wellness a wellness activity, right? right. Which is fine. I mean, I, that's good. That can be very healthy. But those were practices that had religious ori- yeah, origins. That's what I was right? going to say is that each of those practices had a religious context that inspired them. But then they got popularized and they got kind of devoid of that and then put in this wellness category, which which it should be a component of Christian faith. hundred <laughs> percent. These are these are wellness things for right. our mental health and our spiritual health. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes we can get a little too platonic in Christianity where we yeah. separate faith from our bodies. And that wasn't always the case, I think, for early religious folks is that it you know, it was embodied, and so wellness was an important part of our spirituality. Back to this concept of you, you see people craving that around us, so why not Why not in the church? Mm-hmm. Right. Why not incorporate that as, as part of our worship life? And as Audrey said, the summers, summers are quiet. It lends itself to, to contemplation and renewal, to refocus. Right mm-hmm. to empty out the clutter of our minds and listen to what God might be pushing us into. Right. Yeah, and I think there's a benefit of engaging a practice in a rhythm, a rhythmic manner. Yeah. <laughs> in that, you know, we didn't just do it once over the summer, but it was a six-week consecutive thing where people could get comfortable in the rhythm of it in a way that you know when anytime you're just learning something. The first couple times you do it, you're so focused on doing it right <laughs> mm-hmm. that once you get the feel of it, then you can kind of engage the practice a little right. bit more. I think about it in terms of like, you know, if you're p- learning how to play piano early on, you are learning the basics, the fundamentals, mm-hmm. and then you can start to learn more about musicality and how you how you engage it on a more personal level. Um yeah. And that's kind of what it is with any kind of these spiritual disciplines is the the discipline can feel kind of rote at the beginning. Yeah. But once you get into the rhythm of it, then you can engage, I think, what it's intended for. So I think there, you know, we started talking later in the summer about how, you know, there might be a cumulative effect of an ongoing practice like this, mm-hmm. where you might be hearing a word from God that's been building over these courses of weeks rather than it just being like a singular word or you know we tried to engage it in part with a communal mind thinking okay what is God saying to us as a church Mm -hmm. Um, it it was also interesting at the same time this was going on I was participating in an orientation of new students out at um, Bethany through my work through the Brethren Academy and we had time to interact with the Earlham School of Religion which is Quaker inspired Mm -hmm. We uh, we had a joint common meal between Bethany and ESR, Earlham School of Religion. And uh, I, I remember from my time at Bethany interacting with the Quaker students, having to learn mm-hmm. <laughs> how to be comfortable in silence. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, a, it was a, definitely a growing edge for me over that time. So I, I anticipated this a little bit with the students that were coming from brethren backgrounds that they might not be quite as comfortable as the other students are with silence. Mm -hmm. So as we were going over to the Earlham building for the common meal, I brought them by the chapel that's in their building that is set up to really support waiting worship. 
practices. Waiting worship, meaning for those of you who aren't familiar with Quaker worship practice, waiting worship is silent worship, waiting on the Spirit to move in somebody, and somebody might speak out what the Spirit might be saying through them. However, oftentimes, waiting worship is just silence for mm-hmm. however long that period of time is. Right, and you've got someone that is kind of assigned as the facilitator, or the kind of the holder of that space. They sit on a bench that is facing the congregation, but everyone else is kind of in a semicircle facing each other. So you may go for a full hour and it'd be completely silent. Us they bre- often wouldn't make the brethren sit for a whole hour. No, though. it was usually like 30, <laughs> 30, 45 minutes. Even then, you know, we were often making eyes at each other across the room because... Some of us were better than others. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah. so I tried to explain to them what waiting worship was. And I'm really glad I did because the tradition, even when we were students, has continued today before we eat together. Everyone that's going to eat the meal together gathers in a circle And there's a time for sharing announcements, but also sharing joys and concerns. And then that would lead up to a prayer time before we'd go into the meal. Mm -hmm. And because it was hosted, this common meal was hosted at ESR, it was the responsibility of the Earlham, uh, in this case it was a faculty member, to facilitate that sharing time. Mm -hmm. And there was extended periods of silence. Mm while they allowed for whatever needed to be said to be said. Mm -hmm. And I could feel some of the students that had come with me kind of shifting in their, uh, in their bodies a little bit, like wanting someone to step in and move it along. Right. Right. (laughs) And, and I think because I went into that space knowing that this was a possibility, I wasn't as uncomfortable with it, but uh, certainly, I mean, there's a sense that, this is something that you have to learn in our culture today yeah. is that you, you have to learn how to be comfortable with silence. You know, there, um, when we got to the end of our Lectio Divina process, we invited while still in worship people to share the word from God that they had received mm-hmm. together as a community. And i I think both of us intentionally left some space of quiet, even in that, to allow people to speak up. And and one day, one of the people commented, like, to me personally, like, you, you did a good job of just letting there be silence for people to speak up. And I, I think that was both an acknowledgement that, you know, we're, we're not used to this and, and that might make us a little uncomfortable that there was so much silence. Right. Um, but I think... You know, when when we, especially with Lectio Divina, it's it's a process of receiving. And so there's intentionally a passiveness to Mm -hmm. it that you can't force. Mm -hmm. Um, And that that can be hard, I think, for us to to not try to force a process rather than to dive deeply into something to kind of I almost picture Lectio Divina as floating on the top of a lake. Like you're there on the surface experiencing something rather than getting on your diving gear and going down down deep. Mm, waiting on the fish to come nibble. Yeah. Yeah. To bite your toes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that, that you can't force it. Yeah. And, and that's even more a reason to incorporate rhythms of, of pause mm-hmm. right into our lives so that we're allowing God some space to to nibble at our toes or whatever it is, (laughs) right? right? 
Um, otherwise, if you don't pause, you, you're, you're going to scare the fish away. <laughs> yeah, and you're going to imagine that you're in charge of this thing, right? right? And you're going to plan your life the way you're going to plan it, right? Rather than bothering to pay attention to what might be under that surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was a fruitful activity for us to engage in. Uh, certainly a reason to return to it in the future um, as well as other contemplative practices yeah yeah probably good for us in in this more pragmatic uh, faith tradition yeah. to to engage with some of that and maybe now more than ever mm-hmm. as as things are uh, institutions are in decline and people are feeling hasty and getting church work done and there's fewer people to do the work in the church and people's lives are already so busy right. oh okay i'm already feeling overwhelmed maybe i need to pause mm-hmm. right well and it's kind of a recentering yourself in in the purpose for why you do what you do in the first place it's yeah. it's not about maintaining an institution the institution is meant to facilitate faith and opportunities to engage god and yeah. and we don't need to have an attitude of striving for that all the time. Well, this has been Coffee with the Pastors. We thank you for joining us on our meanderings and our conversations with one another. As always, uh, feel free to reach out to us at Coffee with the Pastors podcast at gmail.com. But for now, this has been Coffee with the Pastors. Live for the glory of God and our neighbor's good. The primary purpose of this podcast is for conversation and faith exploration. It is intended for private, non-commercial use and does not necessarily reflect the opinion of any agency or organization.